Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Welcome back to Think Critical, a D&D survival guide. I am Laura, a player of some merit. And around the table we have... Uh, my name is Josh. Um, I am a player mostly now. Um, I have DM'd in the past, though. And then to my left... Uh, my name is Simon. I am primarily a dungeon master, uh, sometimes player. And to my left... Hello, my name is the House Elf, and I am a player and really good at making character person. Well done. Yeah, well done. <laughs> good job, Conte. <laughs> uh, welcome back. Uh, we have some stuff that we want to talk about within this past week that we've experienced as a introduction sort of thing. Uh, so who would like to start us off with some honorable mentions? Um, I will... I guess go first. Okay. Uh, well, no one else was jumping to it, so <laughs> yeah, no. Anyway, uh, this past week I didn't get to do too much DMing uh, or playing for that. Or sorry, I didn't get to do too much DMing, but I did get to get some playing in. Right. A uh, friend of ours, Lindsay, friend of the show, she runs a campaign, and uh, I really like her as a, a DM. And I enjoy her campaign. In it, I am just a, a like drunk, southern good old boy, <laughs> kind of based off of um, a pretty it's much exclusive. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's an autobiographical <laughs> yeah. character. He's a method actor. This is why I drink. Tell us your character. Anyway, no, he. he the concept originated from Bill the Butcher from Gangs of New York. Oh, nice. Uh, and so much so that the name is a literal riff. I, I called him, uh, his name is William Teach. Uh, so Bill and his profession was Butcher. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Scary dude. Yeah. He's a little terrifying. I like him a lot. He's a uh, very serious and dour and it's interesting because, uh, I don't know, usually I kind of try and joke and cut up and not be serious, but Bill is very stoic and angry and gruff and, and yeah, ex- not really funny. Except when he gets in with a room with a Yuan-Ti pureblood woman, apparently. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> don't hate on monstrous races. They need love, too. Absolutely. <laughs> Second of all, Bill's just adventurous. <laughs> uh, needless to say, Marina, the house elf, and I are also in that campaign. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, I don't know, does anyone else want to chime in? I thought it was pretty fun, because I think that was the only campaign that we played this week. 
it's been a little off week for our campaigns today, but um, in that one, uh, my character is Gita, who is a Triton monk of the way of the four elements. And uh, I pretty much modeled her after Aang from... Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, Last Airbender. <laughs> and uh, he, she has a little squirrel that runs around named Moma. And uh, eventually it would be really fun to have a flying bison in I that mean, campaign. Oh, I mean, you just have to. In any campaign, in real life, <laughs> a flying bison at any point in time. It would be crucial to the story development, I yes. feel. <laughs> I, yes. Uh, but unfortunately with this one, Gita didn't do too much. She looked around, didn't find anything. She wanted to pummel the Yuanti guy, but... Bill decided to be diplomatic instead. All diplomatic, Bill the Butcher. <laughs> he only, listen, he only got diplomatic when he saw the Yuanti, and then he was like, oh, wait. Easy. Let's, let's yeah. talk about this. And in case you're wondering what a Yuanti is, it is a snake humanoid creature that can either have the head of a snake or the tail of a snake, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this particular one had the tail of a snake and the <laughs> head of a pretty lady. <laughs> Well, it, listen, it's important to note head and body. <laughs> head and body. The snake tail's just bonus, but, you know. What? So I don't need your judgment. No, I just think whatever Bill wants is best. <laughs> and then Marina's character is a elf? Mm-hmm. She is an elf who is a thief, and is she, like, one of my new favorite characters because she has, like, a... New York kind of New Jersey accent. Oh, do the accent. I don't think I can. Oh, um, it's great. Right now, but it's fun. Um, and she's super fun. And how she got introduced to this campaign was quite depressing. Well, it was really fun, <laughs> but um, she dressed up because she's a thief. And she, what she does is that she um, dresses up and, like, steals from people, like, unexpectedly. So I got to this, um, the party found me, and I was like, I'm a helpless little orphan girl. <laughs> and then um, they, <laughs> and, um, they like took me into their ranks, and I was just waiting for everybody to pass out, and then I stole all of their stuff yeah. and left. But sadly, they caught up with me, and uh, Bill chopped my ear off. But yep. still, <laughs> she's really fun. She's well, super fun. You had to learn a lesson. Jesus. <laughs> it was an awful lesson. She was passed out for it, but... But now yeah. she only has one pointy ear. That's true. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was Ooh. very sad. I'm just, Listen, Bill has very few rules, and if you break them, he takes a body part. <laughs> That's how it works. I didn't write the rules. I mean, he is a okay. butcher after all. Yeah, but, like, why the ear? A finger or, like... No. I feel like a finger would have been worse than an ear. No. Fingers. Because you use your fingers. You don't use the outer part of your ear very often. <laughs> no, see, that's the thing. Ears. Because aesthetically, it messes you up. That's fair. Yeah, that's what I mean. Nobody's going to notice your pinky gone. I mean, some <laughs> people. Wear a glove. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're good. What about Except you, when Josh? you're holding something, because then you always have a pinky out. <laughs> that's true. And you look just fancy. You look fancier than you meant to be. <laughs> I guess it's like also a blessing and a curse, so it's either here or there. <laughs> um, I'm still in my campaign where I'm playing my character named Sparrow, the, the oh, dancing yeah. bard. Uh, she's still super fun. Um, I guess a 
notable thing that happened recently is that this whole campaign our DM has kind of been like hinting at different like archetypes for our characters and we're searching for weapons around like his world that he created that are kind of tailored to our characters and their personalities and there's like a history behind it which I don't know because we're still figuring it out but Sparrow finally got hers which is like a spear but she's kind of this she's a glamour bard so she has a lot of ties into the Feywild and we were actually in the Feywild when we were getting her weapon and um understandably that was just a mess dealing with the fae for week on oh, yeah. Like, yeah. weeks on end. It was just a mess. Yeah. But um, we finally got it, and it's super cute. I'm pretty much a Pokemon <laughs> trainer. <laughs> because I Sparrow has had this, like, lightning um, coaddle motif, and the coaddle is kind of this... I like It's only been described to me. I've, like, purposely not looked it up, and it's, like, a lightning, almost dragon-esque thing, but it's kind of small. Yeah. It's, like, a, so it's a smaller lightning dragon thing that has... More of like one of those Chinese dragon forms where it can be like feathery mm-hmm. and it can like fly and stuff. Cool. But my spear has this sort of like channel winding around it that's this hollow area that the quaddle like spirit goes into. So the quaddle spear is in my spear. And we have this sort of evolution mechanic for our weapons where they all kind of grow with us mm-hmm. over time and they each have like different ways that they can unlock or that they can gain the next thing that they can do. Um, so since mine is the newest one, we haven't really like totally narrowed down what it's capable of doing. But every time I roll my initiative, I choose one of the elements that D&D has, like radiant, acid, and something like that. Mm. And then I'm supposed to like save that. So I'm like collecting all these elements um, every time we do a battle. And I have like five now. We still don't know what it does because it's had like no effect on the battle itself. But I'm excited because Sparrow finally got her weapon, <laughs> and we're like, I'm excited to figure out what it is. Also, when we get our, our super weapon, we get a new stat, mm-hmm. and like one of our players is uh, Sanity. One of them was like Shade, and he can like go into different planes and stuff. And mine is Evolution. So I'm essentially a Pokemon trainer. <laughs> <laughs> we're, like, I'm still trying to figure out like what's going to happen to that. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I love when a, a character gets to the point where getting the power is really cool, but seeing the power on the horizon, yeah, I think is a little bit more exciting because you're like, oh man, I oh I don't know what's gonna happen when I hit that point, but I'm <laughs> really yeah, looking yeah, forward to yeah. it. <laughs> Real excited about that point in the distance. Let's do that. Yeah, and it's nice too because our campaign's been like a year and almost a year and a half now. So we're level 13. We're leveling pretty slowly. Like this is absolutely like a marathon kind of campaign or the way that I see it. And um, yeah, like milestones at this point are becoming less about levels because we wait so long that we can't really bank on that. We're leveling like once a month at minimum at this point. Oof. So it's kind of intense. Yeah. But I'm really enjoying it. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds dope. Well, in the light of the ideas for characters, which I thoroughly enjoy everyone's characters at this table. I feel like we all put a lot of thought into them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I We were thinking about doing a uh, character a week kind of idea. And... Uh, it can be sort of an inspiration for new players that are trying to get started and maybe need some inspiration for their characters or something of that nature. So this week, we have featured a character that I made here is a turtle 
paladin and we will have her stats and everything and her character sheet posted up in our social media stuff so if you're interested take a look yeah absolutely and if you uh if you see something and are interested or curious ask us questions like hit us up and you know uh turtles i think are super cool they're fantastic yeah they're (laughs) they're considered a, a monstrous race but it's basically a giant walking tortoise. Mm-hmm. Like it's a walking tortoise that like cruises around. Uh, and as characters, I find them endlessly entertaining. <laughs> like and- most, most of the monstrous races I have great affinity for. Uh, the more like players handbook races are really cool too. But I love, like I was so happy when they announced Volos as the, you know, next book coming out there's definitely something about monstrous races that kind of just add an extra layer of intrigue or ways that you can role play them or it just it adds another layer because a lot of the primary races are essentially just variants of a a similar human archetype Mm -hmm. you know and they all obviously have different histories and things like that but i don't know the monstrous ones you actually are getting these like anthropomorphic creatures or you know just there's more a little bit more depth to them yeah you also have to deal with the social aspect wherein if your dm is playing that way the monstrous characters usually have some kind of racism that go along with them if you go into a town that's not used to having monstrous races in them that's because turtles shouldn't walk (laughs) <laughs> oh. I mean, we should keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the racism! <laughs> yeah. No. yeah, no. I honestly, I think that's another reason I really like them—the social aspect. Like, mm-hmm. I, I love playing with that. Uh, Particular in D and think that's super fertile ground for like players to to you know give a shit, like to care about. Uh, either an NPC or their own character or even their friend's mm-hmm. character. Like yeah. they walk into a town and their uh, one of their friends is playing like, I don't know, a tiefling. And, you know, some villagers being, you know, stupid and ignorant and being like, it's a devil, kill it. <laughs> <laughs> Grab your torch and pitchforks. Exactly. And then like, you know, it's interesting because I think then if their friend cares about that character at all, it's, it's amplified because they're like, hey, you know, they are invested more. Right. It is a very natural way to kind of incite a chance for players to role play, whether they agree or disagree with whatever's happening. Yeah. It's kind of like a non-forced sort of um, organic way to like give people a chance to act in their way their characters could really oh, easily. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's great. I love it so much. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think for paladins, um, they are similar to clerics, as I recall, but they have less of a healing capacity. Is that correct? Well, so the huge difference between clerics and paladins is that paladins focus more on the martial aspect of faith. Mm. They're not so much with the uh, assisting others. They mostly ramp up their own damage and take hits for others. They're They're... Uh, paladins are what you think of when you think of like the a the atypical white knight, you know, riding in on this majestic stallion and cleaving the enemy in two. Not because they want to kill something, but because they know that the, by removing that thing, they're making a, a better difference in the world. Mm. Whereas clerics, depending on the type of cleric you play, 
you could be completely different, uh, like a, a life cleric. No one will ever heal better than a life cleric. Like a full life cleric is insane. <laughs> they just get hit points to give to others. Just here. Oh, wait, you lost 50 in one swing? Nope. Uh, but then you could play a war cleric and war clerics are amazing because war clerics if you're fighting with um your allies and one of them is like gonna miss a hit you're just like no no you hit (laughs) just kidding you're like plus 20 yeah yeah like it's like a plus (laughs) 10 to hit so like your friend swings and even if he rolls a one plus his own modifiers at say I don't know, let's say they're at 8th level, plus 4 strength mod, plus 3 proficiency. Right. So that's 4 plus 3, plus 7. On a 1, that's 8, but then the war cleric is like, plus 10. Now you, for, you rolled a 1, your total sum is an 18. Oh my god. <laughs> Worst case scenario. Worst case, yeah. Like, oh my god. No, clerics are much more utilitar- uh, utility. Uh, a paladin is damage and tanking and getting in with some utility like they can heal as well and they right. can use lay on hands and stuff but a cleric depending on the type of cleric you choose you get ridiculous bonuses to uh, help your allies and whatnot like they're both duty bound to their faith yeah. but like the cleric is more like the wizard of faith and yeah. the paladin's more like the warrior of faith. yeah absolutely mm, interesting absolutely yeah i kind of it's an interesting point because i feel like you could have all of the necessary well necessary but uh, character roles in clerics. Like if you had a Absolute, campaign yeah. of just yeah. clerics, <laughs> yeah. they have, they're very versatile. Like it's probably true. one of the most versatile classes, I think, because yeah. they have a huge spell list. Yeah, and there's all the different ways they can specialize. Yeah, and then and depending on their specialization, they get access to certain spells from other spell lists. Yep, which is nuts. That's I th- I think that's what makes um, the utility classes so incredibly strong because mm-hmm. clerics have their cleric spells, which are good spells, Mm -hmm. and then say one of them's like, I'm going to go nature domain, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they get access to a bunch of druid spells, and that gets ridiculous quick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of the same with, um, what's it, a bard. Uh, Yeah. A bard from the College of Lore. Uh, Being able to just like, oh, oh, those spells... I really like that spell. <laughs> um, I'm going to borrow it just yeah. for a minute. I'm just going to, and thank you. <laughs> Isn't that what Swift is in our yeah. evil campaign? Yeah. Yeah. So no. Swift is our friend's character and he can cast polymorph. Um, and uh, he has turned into a triceratops, mm-hmm. a dragon, a, dragon, yeah. a, uh, <laughs> a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of different creatures. No, absolutely. <laughs> the utility classes, I think, are very, very strong because they are utility. Uh, it's a uh, kind of a, an interesting thing, but a fighter, for, or actually, for example, a paladin. If a paladin walks up to an enemy and smites them they hit on the die so they get damage on the die right then they get the smite damage then the modifiers it, it they can do an obscene amount of damage in a very short amount of time and that was paladin that's paladin yeah because a paladin at level five gets extra attack and then they get to do it twice yeah. <laughs> in a single round yeah. and it gets very aggressive <laughs> But outside of that, and occasionally healing, outside of that, their niche is 
like that's their niche that's their defined niche whereas a cleric depending on your domain you could be like oh well i'm a healer right or i'm a war cleric and i will ooh give me a minute (laughs) that's the thing about clerics too is that they kind of even though D&D is such an old game, I feel like clerics in D&D are more versatile than like what you imagine the cleric being in like a traditional RPG game because they're usually kind of pigeonholed into this healer role. Right. But clerics and D&D have, can be completely opposite of that. And they can yeah. be like worship a god like Talos, which is like a god of war and destruction and literally focus their entire clericness on fighting and like not healing people. Our yeah. cleric is like that. Yeah, and roll our eyes always because he has like all these things they can help us with, but he's just really intense about the thunder and the lightning. Yeah, <laughs> he's a tempest cleric, and he needs oh, yeah. to have it. Oh, tempest clerics are so cool. I love tempest clerics. He's oh, insane. I love him. Yeah, and there's the trickster clerics, which are my personal favorite. Yeah, mm-hmm. being oh, trickster clerics, I think are super. Yeah, no, we could go. I could, we could do an entire episode on just cleric. No kidding. I know. It's like knowledge cleric, you know, like yeah. when she's like a intelligence based cleric. Yeah. I think it's so much fun. Yeah, it is wild. But I think, geez, I, one of our points we wanted to make this uh, episode was the idea of character roles and the importance of having different kinds of people in there. And, uh, I like the idea of doing a campaign of all clerics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we had an idea of doing a campaign of all bards, but Simon said we couldn't do that. <laughs> I never said you couldn't. I just said I would really, 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 very strongly <laughs> oppose that decision <laughs> because one bard in a group is bad enough. <laughs> you know how hard it is to manage one bard? It would be fantastic. We would all be gnomes, we would all be tinkerers, and we would all be bards of some kind. <laughs> that does sound That's amazing. That does sound fun. That's the thing. I think it would be funny to try. I don't know I thought they could be part of like a traveling troop and then all of a sudden like circuits or something. So I don't... Uh, so uh, we should come back to that because there's a point I want to make. But not to get off topic, uh, so it's been said before there are like roles in D&D. And a lot of these roles kind of come from video games. Most yeah. people, I think, are more familiar with a video game style RPG. That being the case, they're familiar with roles like tank and DPS and healer. Uh, those are like the big three, you know, the, the, that's like the holy trinity right. of RPG yeah. uh, classes. In D&D, though, there are uh, often referred to as tanks. Um, then there are strikers, and strikers are damage. They are the guys that do the deeps. They hit like a truck. <laughs> uh, like Bill. <laughs> yeah, like Bill. Uh, then there are uh, utility. Um, then there are the spellcaster, the, the glass cannons. Um, there, there are so many different roles and archetypes in D&D. Uh, so I've had a couple people who were interested in getting into D&D talk about that, uh, but from a traditional video game aspect. Mm-hmm. And I always have to remind them that in D&D, there's no correct way to play. There's no... You need a tank. You don't need a tank. Your party doesn't need a tank. They're cool, and if that's the kind of character you want to play, that's super. They're super fun. Yeah. Um, but you don't need one. But yeah, some people think it's like super fun to be the guy standing out front, just taking blow after blow after blow, and just like protecting their allies. Like I had, a, 
I had one campaign where uh, there was it was a level nine campaign, and one of the characters was a, a barbarian. Yes, <laughs> and barbarians are just pound for pound some of the best tanks in the game, uh, particularly if you go totem, uh, the totemic warrior, mm-hmm. and you choose bear as your totem. Oh animal, yeah, because then you cut all damage except for psychic in half, which is insane. But uh, he got a crit, and he took a hit for 30 damage. And then it got cut in half to 15. And he was like, oh, okay, I'm fine. And the wizard looked at him like, you just took 15 points of damage. And he's like, yeah, I have 90. I know, exactly. (laughs) And the wizard just kind of, like, grabbed his chest and was like, oh, God, no. (laughs) What are we crazy? The wizard, I think, at the time, the wizard had, like, 40, 50-ish something, like, because he had rolled a few times for his health and gotten some bad rolls, but he took the average sometimes, and uh, it just, like, he didn't have a whole lot of health, and the barbarian's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like, some stupid, like, he'd been damaged, and he took 15, and 15 dropped him down to 90. Oh. He had more, like, it was in the middle of a battle, and he was just like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Big old dum-dum with this giant axe yeah. running around butchering people and just getting hit and just being like, yeah, it's fine, guys. It's cool. <laughs> and he loved it. Like, every time, like, he kept track of how many times he'd been hit. Like, he kept track of overall damage in that, like, entire campaign because he, like, that was how he... He had fun doing that. Like that's the character he. I can to play. totally relate to that. Yeah, because I I play a lot with temporary health points with my main character, so I like to calculate like how much damage I mitigated. Yeah, like for the entire party, just yeah. so I could afterwards be like, well, if I wasn't here, we would have taken. But like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's just for for me, like in the back of my head, being like, yeah, I can totally relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that, and that's how we that's how we played his character. He was just like he he was always between the enemy and his allies like that was like his that was what he wanted to do more than anything and then when he found out about uh sentinel defeat it was over like yeah he immediately took that and was just like now no one's getting by me. let's do this <laughs> sentinel is the uh, sentinel is a feat in D that if you uh make an attack of opportunity against someone uh one if someone enters a threatening a square that you're threatening, which on a battle map there are certain squares around you that you count as being like covering, you're right. watching them. Uh, it's a threatened square. If they move into that, you get to make an attack of opportunity. If you hit them, their speed is reduced to zero, and then that like that's it. Uh, a very popular thing to do. And what this character did is he picked up a uh, pole arm. So he had five extra feet of reach. Nice. And then anytime anything got near him, he'd just whack them and stun them. And they'd go down to zero. And because they're out of range of him, they couldn't attack him and they couldn't attack his allies. And he just did that nonstop. <laughs> like, he just went insane. Like, no one could get by him. I That's another one of those characters. I've had a few of them. But there are some characters where I'm like, I have to design battles around you now. to contend <laughs> with your nonsense. Right. Well... I believe that brings us to our advice from the DM. So, Simon, would you like to take it away? Um, yes. Though. Uh, okay, so, um, advice for DM. I think this week we were looking into uh, 
you know, we deal with a lot of hostility in D&D, but it's mostly usually between, you know, the characters that we create. But, you know, there are circumstances that you've told us about and that we've experienced that it leaves the game and becomes real life violent and not violence, but exactly. But no arguments and things of that nature and people feeling uncomfortable or people feeling like that wasn't fair or something yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. So um, a big thing uh, for DMs, aspiring DMs, you are kind of the, you're the head of the table um, without you. The players don't have a game, but uh, conversely, without players, you don't have a game. So always, always, always be respectful of your players and their wishes. Um, it might not always make sense to you. Sometimes players want to do something that you know is a bad idea, but that's not your decision. You are simply there to be an arbiter uh, to the rules. You're, I've said it a thousand times before, and I'll say it a thousand more. Uh, DMs are glorified monkeys in a box <laughs> we're just in a box turning a crank making the world go the old wizard of Oz. yeah exactly <laughs> just make sure your players don't ever look behind the curtain yeah. <laughs> that's what they have the dm screen for yeah exactly <laughs> but um so uh be respectful always um and if if you sense things are becoming hostile and things are becoming aggressive as a, DM, as a DM, you have to create that kind of safe space. You have to create an area and say, okay, this is where we game. I don't care about anything else. This is about the game, and we're going to play this game. When we're done, if you guys want to go outside and yell and scream and argue and on and on and on, I can't really stop that. But right now, we're at the table, and at the table, you know, keep it under wraps. Yeah, We're here to have a good time. And... Above all, that should be the goal for everyone. If D&D is not fun, that's the only time you're doing it wrong. Uh, and I mean, it, it can be emotional and gripping and anxiety-inducing, and that can be super fun. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, if you're having fun at the D&D table, you're doing it right. If you're not, you need to examine what could possibly be done differently. Yeah. Yeah. And I think having good communication with your players is also very good as well, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely. Making sure that someone's not being left out or someone's not always taking a back seat or something like that. You know, if they're a magic wielder and they have multiple fighters in the campaign or something like that, if they start feeling like, you know, they're not as not contributing as much or something of that nature, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I've had certain, um, I, I had a friend who uh, she was concerned because she felt like she wasn't contributing as much to the party. And I said, I basically asked her, well, why not? She said, because she took a bunch of damage spells uh, and not much in the way of utility. And I said, Hold, okay, so here's the thing. If you really want to like start helping your group out, look at spells that affect the group, that really help the group, and then see if that changes things. And I wasn't sure if she had like really taken that advice to heart until I think like two camp two sessions later they were walking through the woods and they were hunting gnolls and the gnolls had set a trap, a pit mm. trap. So they all failed their perception check. Like they were just walking into this <laughs> hole, uh, 
one of them tripped it and they all fell. And as soon as they fell, she looked down her spell sheet and she was like, wait, slow fall. Yes, feather fall. <laughs> yeah, feather fall. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And she immediately, like, books came out. <laughs> Best <laughs> spell ever. Well, she was so excited. And as soon as she read the description, uh, she was like, so I choose every all the parts. And we all just don't fall. We, like, kind of float. And, like, I immediately, the group was like, yeah! <laughs> they were so happy because then they were just kind of like floating slowly and then the nulls jumped out expecting them to be in the pit and they're just like something's a little off about this I don't know what yeah can't quite put my finger on oh god swords yeah <laughs> and then and, uh, from that point on it was it was really cool to see how the group developed because she was a wizard but she she went from the whole idea of playing a wizard that just dropped bombs on people which was what she initially went in uh, wanting to do, but as the game went on, she kind of like went from that to being more of control. Mm. And so she would just push and move players and like drag people so that they could get uh, advantage on somebody or like uh, she set the rogue up for sneak attack. I don't even know how many times <laughs> with like just sh- moving earth and shifting things and controlling players and like all this crazy, crazy stuff. And, uh, she had, I think, more fun doing that because then it was less about what what is the biggest number I can produce, and it turned into how can I make all of my numbers bigger. Yeah. <laughs> like, like she no longer saw herself as a single player; she saw the group as like her army, <laughs> and then she was like, "Yes, minions, go!" <laughs> they just, like struck out, and she was just like, "Yes, fight for me." <laughs> It's definitely a testament to how versatile wizards can be. Kind oh, of on a yeah. similar note as cleric, a wizard is arguably even more versatile in some ways because they just have a massive spell pool. Yeah. And a lot of their stuff is like mixes between power and utility and the fact that you have all those schools of magic. I mean, you can just do so much. Yeah. Oh, abs- yeah, absolutely. 100%. I think wizards are. Uh, a lot of people think of wizard as, oh, they're the glass cannon. They, they hang out in the back and they blow things up, but I've seen wizards, like, I've seen some who, uh, people who took the uh, feet war mage mm. and get nuts. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, ooh, they pop off. Yeah. It, it gets wild. It's out of control. Well, on that note, going into our next talking point here, uh, we wanted to talk about our first experiences and kind of relate that to and maybe some early on players that are getting started and uh, just kind of going over maybe some advice for someone who's just starting playing. And then uh, also going over some things that we did that we may not wanted to do <laughs> as we found out later. Um, Mina, would you like to stake it to anything to that point? Um, having your character die. That's something you definitely don't want to happen. It's so depressing, and you'll cry all night. It's awful. Extrapolate. Um, Oh, I got (laughs) shot by a cannon, and my character kind of just, like, died. And it was super sad, because, like, there was no emotion. There was nothing. It's like, oop, oop. Yeah, he's dead. And it was like, I'm like, (laughs) there was nothing, like, it was it was really sad and it was no bravado. Yeah. yeah. You know, these things happen. Especially when your sister's in charge of cannons. <laughs> <laughs> um that was your first character. I forgot. Mm-hmm. Alec was your very first one. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. 
Sorry. Uh, excuse me. He likes to go by heesh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would say a, a good rule of thumb. There are a few, but one that I think is major as a DM. Uh, don't split the party. Yeah, I agree. It didn't go out well. <laughs> we should have t-shirts that say that. I, if there aren't t-shirts that say don't say don't split the party yet, I would be shocked. Yeah, that is true. Oof. So as a player, don't split the party. You're limiting your options. If sh- you know shit hits the fan, it can get real bad, and your wizard could be in town buying potions and not know you're in trouble. Yes. As a DM, <laughs> it's really annoying because now you have to manage two parties. Right. One that's off doing something whatever, and the other one that's off doing something whatever, and just if, don't split the party. If somebody says, oh, we should split up, hit them. <laughs> Roll like, up some newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> like, keep a squirt bottle on hand. Just like, no. No. Bad. That was like the biggest source of conflict that like my party that I currently am with has ever had was when the party got split. And it ended up being like half of us just sitting there on the couch for 45 minutes because the DM didn't know how to handle the fact that we literally weren't doing anything but waiting for them to finish. But they were doing all this extra stuff. Yeah. Like there's so many ways that splitting the party can go bad, not even from a strategy standpoint, but from like a fun standpoint. And it, it creates all these, like, conundrums, like the passage of time. Yeah. You know, because it's like battles have this whole thing where it's like, what is it, like, six or seven seconds yeah, per round? Yeah, it's like round. six seconds, uh, yeah, per so round. So does that mean that, like, you literally just watch your friends go into battle for, like, an hour or 30 minutes, however long the battle takes, while everyone's just, like, in slow motion in the town buying a potion? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, how, unless you're playing an Inception campaign, I don't think it really is necessary. No, it, it does create a lot of problems. Anytime someone says split up, I just, I cringe. Because inevitably, that's when the phones come out. That's when the Game Boy comes out. That's when... The Game uh, Boy? I've had, I've had so many players where something would happen, I'd be in a party, they'd split the party, and I would hate them. Just with every fiber of my being. And then the people that were doing stuff were doing stuff. But everyone else, there were like three players that were just hanging out. And one of them literally was just like 10 minutes in. He was like, whoop, out came a Game Boy. And he was just playing something. And I was like, yeah, now I've lost control. All right. Coming up with something, get everyone yeah. back together, and I right. you, know, it took you almost me, like, can't even blame them too because like, no, as absolutely. A, as a player, you know you're supposed to stay invested, and you you want to be present at the table. But when it gets to a certain extent, it's like I'm literally offering nothing right now. Yeah, no, I, I was. That's the thing. I wasn't mad that he pulled out a Game Boy. I was just I, that to me was a signal. Like, okay, some of them are bored. Yeah. So that's my job to fix that. Uh, again, as a DM. You are cranking that, turning that crank. If your players are not interested, you you have to figure out how to get them back in. And so, you know, another 10 minutes went by and then suddenly there was a threat and they reconvened immediately. Right. Because I was like, oh no, here comes this thing. It's going to mess you up. <laughs> oh. I wish you had your friends with you. That happened in Queen of the Damned. Yeah. Oof. That was bad. That was real bad. <laughs> we had half the party that was researching at the library and half the party that had decided to go down into a deep hole in a it house that sewers. we had. Yes. 
that we had just burned down this house or something of that nature. We went down to this deep, dark hole, and there was a very large family of vampires down there. Oh, just just chilling. Mm-hmm. And, just uh, oof, that could have ended a lot worse than it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could have. But, you know, whole thing. And I love how quickly you guys picked up on it, though, because I was just like, yeah, vampires, far as the eye can see, all of them everywhere. The wall, vampires. The floor, vampires. The ladder, <laughs> vampires. Like, I did, you know, made it apparent that they were in danger. And immediately everyone was like, how would we know that they were dead? Like, they immediately started thinking in character how they could quickly move from where they were to reconvening. And I was like, all right, good job, guys. You're picking up one of <laughs> One of the best things I think that we've done in a campaign where you have been DMing Simon is uh, the Rocky Talkies. Oh God! It's <laughs> the best idea. I think we're pretty high level in the Evil campaign, where I think we're almost level eleven in that one. And uh, recently, we came up, or where we're given this item called, or it was a very small sending stone that we can put in our ears. And uh, we can cast sending with them <laughs> and keep in contact. So we were, we nicknamed them Rocky Talkies. <laughs> so we can kind of split the party and still be okay. But, you know, if someone gets attacked by vampires and... The range is limited. <laughs> One, the range is limited. Two, you guys are high enough level now. You should know better. It's true. And if you don't know better, ooh, the, the consequences <laughs> are going to be real. Nice. Listen, don't make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> we get it, Dad. Don't split the party. <laughs> right. I'm just, listen, I'm old and cantankerous. And if I only teach anyone one thing, that's it. Do not split the party. <laughs> well, I think as a first time player going into it, I think the best thing that you can realize is you might feel some anxiety and you might feel some awkwardness going into a group of people that you may or may not know and you know doing this role-playing game where you might have an accent or that you don't do very well or you know uh, you might not really know how to play the character yet and uh, I think the best advice that I can give from the first characters that I made is try to let that go as much as possible because inevitably if it's a good group of people and you're there to have fun it's going to come out that you're going to have fun regardless, you know? And um, I think there's a lot of social pressures that come into, you know, sitting around a table, but I think if you can move past that and just get into it with your friends, it's absolutely worth doing. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm trying to think, cause like on my, one of my first campaigns, something that I, I kind of wish I knew because when I first played D&D back in college, I actually took a really long break from it because I didn't think I liked it, honestly. And I wasn't really having a whole lot of fun when I first got into it. But it's hard to truly convince somebody that there's so many different ways you can have fun in D&D. Some people like the aspect of exploration and like going on these grand adventures or seeing new places. Some people like really molding a character and creating a persona. Um, Some people like the kind of the min-maxing and or just curating a good character mechanically, you know, not even really too much of their personality, but just making a fun class. Yeah. And, you know, maybe have fun interactions with the spells and abilities that come with that, which is something that I personally had a lot of fun with. But in that example, when I first started playing D&D, 
I pretty much had the DM like hold my hand through the entire character creation process because it is kind of a lot sometimes, you know, you shouldn't be expected to learn it on your own. In my opinion, I think that's kind of a, the first communal aspect of D&D is like building your characters as a family and, you know, Absolutely. kind of starting yeah. off. But also you realize that you miss so many steps when somebody kind of helps you through the first time. So I didn't realize that I liked making characters or coming up with fun interactions until I quit, quit, quote unquote, I just stopped playing for a couple of years, came back to it as a DM, you know, and kind of just dove headfirst into it and realized all the different things you can do with it and all the ways that when you combine classes, you can create these really fun interactions. And yeah. suddenly I found something in D&D that I was extremely interested and attracted to, whereas before I just assumed D&D wasn't for me. So that's one thing, too, is like whether it be exploration, combat, role play, any kind of mechanic thing like creating a character, sometimes you're not going to get that in your first session unless you know ahead of time, which I didn't. I didn't know what I was going to find the most fun when I first started playing. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, I guess, would be like my biggest piece of advice is don't be like me and just stop playing because you didn't like a couple sessions. Like as long as you're with friends and you're focusing on having fun and your DM is dedicated to that as well, it, it honestly is worth doing it a couple of times because one, you're just being social and like hanging out with people and that's yeah, not going to kill you. Lord absolutely. knows. And <laughs> two, you're going to find something eventually because there's just so many ways that D and D can appeal to somebody. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Um, real quick. So I would like to say that don't split the parties rule one. Uh, <laughs> however, I would like to say other rule one. Uh, read. This is rule two. No, no, no. This is also rule one. Read. It's like subset of rule one. No, no, no. Same. Literally, there's a piece of paper in front of you. Rule one. Don't split the party. And then right next to it, rule one. Read. (laughs) Read, read, read. Don't read everything. Pick your race and pick your class that sound interesting and sound super fun and cool. And then read about all of those things. Like just... It's three to four pages per class, one to two pages for race, six pages total. And just read the hell out of those pages. Just learn what your race and class can do, because that, I think, will also help you uh, in regard like finding something that you think is cool or finding something that you think is fun and interesting. There's absolutely nothing better than picking a wizard class and reading through the spells that are yes. available. Mm-hmm. Just being like, oh, yes, that one. <laughs> yeah, like, ahead of time, like, this is going to be amazing. And now they have those um, they spell, have cards. spell cards, which are super handy. I mean, you could make them yourself if you have, like, the three-by-five cards or something like that. But they sell packs of the different class uh, spells and yep. It's nice to have them all sitting right in front of you to be like, yeah. yes, I think I'd cast that one. <laughs> My friend in our campaign, she has um like those old like playing card sheets, like when you have like your binder of Pokemon cards. Yeah. She has that, but in the binders, like the different spells that she has, and they're like organized by level. And yeah. She's a, she's a lot, but I also appreciate it. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. No, I love that. I absolutely love when uh, players playing a spell caster and they show up to the table with like a binder. Yeah. <laughs> and they just like, it's their actual spell book and they just slam yeah. it on the table. <laughs> it does become like less metaphorical and more actual when they arrive <laughs> with a binder, a, yeah. a tome, if you will, full of like their incantations. Yeah. Like, All right. But like, yes, I know one for that. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> it can get overwhelming too. Cause like, it especially as a wizard, when you have so many different options and you're like, 
much that I memorize today. Yep. Kind of having some sort of thing that you can move around. Yeah. <laughs> I oh man, that that's another really fun point in any combat when uh, when the fighters swinging a sword, <laughs> barbarians launching into battle, and you know there's there's a ranger in the back just peppering the enemy with arrows. Then it gets to the wizard's turn, and he's like, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> book, he's got his book in his hand, just pouring over notes real quick. Like, hold, hold, hold on, <laughs> guys. Quick consensus: uh, fireball or silence? <laughs> do we want to debilitate them, yeah. or do we just want to destroy them? Thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Like, just do it. I know that's such a slippery slope because you can get in your head with all the different options you can do. Yeah. Our our group is bad. So we have now we have the hourglass of punishment. Where the, our DM actually got a sand hourglass, and I think it's timed at like one minute, I think, or thirty seconds. Yeah. And if we get too naughty, he'll like slam the hourglass on the tail, and you're like, you have that much time until your turn's over. <laughs> oh so my like, god. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, pressure. Yeah. Pressure, anxiety. Which is weird because our assassin rogue seems to have the most trouble. Taking his turn and Tommy Man, and we're all like, "What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I just cast a spell, use an ability." But I think that's also like a whole other sidebar of, like, keeping like your head in the battle and yeah. like, planning ahead of time so you know what yeah. you want to do on your turn. Yeah, because I can take a battle from like twenty minutes to an hour and a half. Yeah, if everyone's not like aware, yeah, present. yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, we are reaching the end of our timeframes here. So I think uh, as a sort of conclusion to our episode this week, uh, pretty much if you have heard anything in this episode or the previous episodes that has either kerfuffled you or you I would like to learn more about it. Good word. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Uh Send us a, an email or a message on Facebook or message us on Instagram or get in touch with us. And we are more than happy to either go over it with you in that capacity or we can answer it for you here in an episode. Absolutely. Or uh, ultimately, it's basically talk to us because mm -hmm. we're very lonely. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, uh, but we do have some more than others. <laughs> Something you could just say. Uh, I know you're shy. All right. This is part of the problem, Simon. That was good. That's why you, we're here. You turned it on me. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but social media stuff, uh, we do have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we are working on a YouTube account. We are also now on iTunes and uh, Google Play yeah. Store. So you are more than welcome to find us there. And like I say, we would love to hear from you and we will get back to you as soon as we can with any of your questions. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for listening to another installment of Think Critical, our D&D &D survival guide. And uh, we will see you at the table. <laughs>